Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I am here with George Mays. What's up, George? It's text here driven we are Tuesday again. time. Text driven Tuesday, and uh, we're uh, still separated. Still separated. Yep. So today we went to a big uh, testing drive-through. Um, for our our oldest kid has had it, uh, and he's beaten it, but he's still in. You know, he's still got to be locked down for till Thursday. Um, we've had symptoms. We've been sick. We got a test today for free. I called one of the other places and I was like, "Hey, you got any family specials on COVID tests? Because I need four of them." <laughs> and I think they thought I was joking. I was like, I'm, not, I'm not joking. This yeah. is a, this is America. Everything's for sale in America. And uh, they, you need to go on coupon day. They try to they tried to have me uh, pay for all four of them. So I said, "Nope, wow. I'll just go to the health department on mon- on Monday." Yeah, they had a special drive through thing going today. I don't think they they don't run them like this every day. But in about an hour, they ran. It looked like probably about a thousand cars through there. When I first came there, I said, "Oh my goodness, we're going to be here for three hours," and they just moved it right on along. It was they had some uh, had some army personnel there helping too. I don't know if they were National Guard or or what they were, but yeah, we went and got tested. So, and and, and strangely, uh, if we test positive, we can come out four days earlier. Than if we test negative, Rapid okay, and that and so, that odd. I guess they're just assuming that you you've had it already several days. Uh, is that, yeah, is that kind of the mindset you you since you have symptoms, you yeah. obviously have had it. Yeah, earlier. Yeah, so. so they start the day of your first uh, symptoms. Okay, so last Wednesday, and it's ten, right. ten days from that date. Okay, so all right. But if I yeah. but if I don't get a positive test, then it's it's four more days. Wow. Hope, so hopefully <laughs> I'm hoping for some accuracy. Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that uh, yeah. the, the negative, right? Well, the so, do- tell, so, tell, so give us just a brief rundown of what uh, what your symptoms have been. So it's very strange, and it can be different for people. But here's just what I experienced. Um, the first day I started coughing. Um, and felt like my head was like, had a lot of pressure in it. So then the next day, um, the next more, always in the morning, I feel like decent, but by the evening I start to run a fever. So running a fever, uh, body aches, all that normal flu like stuff. The next day I wake up and I'm feeling better. Same thing again, the next day, fever, body aches, wake up feeling like a million bucks yesterday. Like yesterday was Sunday. I was feeling good. Um, and then today I wake up and I feel 10 times worse. It's really weird. Just like no energy, a uh, like, like joint pain. It's really strange and feel like a sinus infection. But from what I've seen, the symptoms, they like, they like change. They, they like morph one day to the next. Some people, some people, I mean, it's been pretty mild. It's not been terrible. I, th- I think when I had the flu two years ago, it was actually much worse than this. But okay. <clears throat> I guess the effects of this can go on and linger for a while. 
uh, even after you're you're good to go, you can still have some problems um, breathing. Even I, I don't know. I, I think we'll be okay. Angie has pretty much only had body aches and yeah. stuff like that. Like I mean, but but pretty serious ones where like you know you get up and you're moving around like an old person. <laughs> like not the way a you know thirty nine year old supposed to feel. <laughs> right. So it's just strange. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So for us, it's been pretty good. You know, Drake, it was pretty much like nothing. Yeah. Oh, this is the beauty of podcasting. Come over here. I was going to try to get Evangeline to say hi. She she <laughs> she she came in the room. Come here, come here, babe. Come say hi. Say hi into that microphone. Say hello. Hey. <laughs> hi. There you go. All right. All right, so text driven Tuesday. Let's hop into here. How about sure. that? So you're First Peter five. You're toward the end. Um, you preached on First Peter five one through through five. Uh, how many do you have left? Two, two left. I got two more. Okay, yep, got two more. So this is all about uh, pastors and like uh, well, elders. The term elders is used, but it's all about the leadership of the church. Um, so. <clears throat> Help help us to frame that um, contextually, and then maybe read it for us. Okay. Well, um, I, I gave two of I guess kind of things that we need to to think about when we approach this text. The first thing is that everything that has been said in this letter has been in the context of the local church. So everything from from chapter one, where he's talking about. Uh, the great salvation that we have, uh, chapter two, how we're supposed to live um, uh, through chapter three and four about suffering. It's all within the, the context of the local church. So it's, it's easy for us to, um, you know, individualize this, but we need to remember this would have been written to local churches. It would have been read in local churches. They, they didn't have copies that they were taking home and, and reading by themselves. This would have been read out loud um, on the Lord's day and they would have, uh, been all together. So that's, that's one thing that we need to, to remember. And the second is that this is in the context of um, his previous discussion of suffering right, and persecution. And so um, it's, even though there's that chapter division, the ideas are still carrying over. So the fiery trials that they are to expect um directly impact how the church should operate in this time. So he talks about the elders and this is how elders are supposed to function um, in, in, you know, the best of times, but this is a reminder that this is how they're supposed to function in the worst of times when the fiery trials come, here's what the elders are supposed to do. And, and also what the, what the, re- the remainder of the church are, what they're supposed to do also as they're going through, um, you know, persecution and suffering. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's clear something up before you do read it. Uh, the word elders may come across strange to some people, uh, which is a mystery to me. Um, I, I can remember when, you know, I was more, maybe, my ideas of the church were formed more just culturally, it would have mm-hmm. sounded odd to me. So can you just explain the word elder, overseer, um, these type of words that are used, pastor? Are these different offices or 
uh, what's going on? Yeah, they're they're um, they're interchangeable. So I, I've had the same discussion with people before um, because growing up Southern Baptist, we talk about pastor, usually singular, right? There's there's yeah, one yeah, pastor yeah. in the church, right? Yeah. Um, and what's funny is when I have these conversations, I, I always bring up like elder is by far the the most commonly used um, term to refer to the leadership of the church. Um, you see it in Acts, you see it in Philippians, here in Peter, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Um, but there's three terms that are used to describe the, um, the, the leaders of the church. So elders, um, overseers or, or, uh, or bishops, that, that word could be translated as bishops. That's talk about really weird. Right. Can you imagine using that in a Baptist church? Yeah. <laughs> Talking about the That's bishops. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but overseers um, and then pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you see, you, you don't see the label used, um, all three labels used in this passage, but you see the words used in the passage. So mm-hmm. elders is in verse one. Uh, verse two, shepherd the flock. Shepherd, that's the word that is translated as pastor. So you could you could translate this as pastor, the flock of God. And then uh, after that in verse 2, ex- exercising oversight, that's the word that is um, used in First Timothy chapter 3. Um, so it's bishop, right? Overseer. Yeah. Uh, so all three of uh, all three of those those words are used here in this passage and you can see how um, it's related to this one office, the office of the elder. And elder is a carryover from the Old Testament, the elders of Israel. They were the leaders, right? The elders would sit at the city gates and they would um, they'd govern. Mm-hmm. Um, pastoring, it's just the shepherding term. And then uh, overseer, that word is really easy to understand. You just break the, break the word apart. It's someone who is, is uh, seeing over a particular group. That's their function. They're supposed to watch over this group. And uh, so all these, all these terms, they go together. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what needs to be, um, I think stressed is that these are plural. Yeah. It's not, it's not one guy in one church. It's multiple leaders in one church. Okay. And um, that's uh, having come from, uh, you know, being the one guy, the one pastor in a church, um, I've, I've been in both places and I can tell you that having multiple elders, um, is so much better <laughs> than being the one guy. Right Now being the one guy can, um, you'll have the, uh, you'll have some of these temptations that we're going to talk about in this passage. Um, but with, with, um, multiple elders, it's much easier to, um, be uh, accountable to other people and, and be encouraged uh, yeah. as the load as the load is spread across. Uh, it's not just on the shoulders of one guy. It's, it's right. you know right, the, right, right. The, the burden is is uh, being being uh, yeah. spread out with multiple multiple guys. Yeah, this plurality aspect of of pastors elders is difficult for a lot of people to grasp because even if they go to a church that has more than one pastor or staff member that's what they call them right they'll say right. here is our senior pastor 
Well, right. then the other guys are like lesser pastors. You know? <laughs> right. Associate pastor. Associate pastor, pastor of discipleship family. And yeah. then, but everybody knows this one guy is the leader. Right. The other people they'll call staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that seems to go against what we see, not just in this passage, but in the others, which is yep. that they're equal. Uh, this is, these mm-hmm. are, this is an equal type of office. Um, and I, I, th- I think that um, this passage really um, clarifies that because Peter himself calls himself a fellow elder. Right. Like, like yeah. Peter, it, it, the way that he, he approaches the, this instruction, he doesn't come at them as um, an apostle. Right. right? He, I mean, he could have easily have asserted his authority as the apostle Peter, mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't. He, he, um, he coins a new word. Um, this is a word that's not found anywhere in Greek before First Peter chapter five verse one, and he calls himself a fellow elder. Yeah. So he he instead of elevating himself, he actually puts himself on the same level as as the other elders that he's addressing. Yeah, yeah. So he, he addresses them as a partner. Yeah, I've I've had some people criticize before, you know, jokingly to me. And they'll say something like, "Well, only monsters have more than one head." <laughs> you, you ever hear that? Yeah. yeah. And then I say, "You're right." And Jesus is the head of the church. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, there is only one head. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> He's the chief shepherd, and there's under shepherds. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you, I mean, you, you, they're taking this from the the pastor, the the shepherding. Um, um, the the shepherding job in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and you don't see one shepherd. Right. If, if the flock is, I mean, if it's a, a tiny flock, <laughs> then you could assume there'd be one. But if right. you're talking about a large flock, yeah. you're going to have more than one shepherd. Yeah. Uh, one one shepherd is not going to be able to do everything that he that he needs to do to lead and provide and protect the flock. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, can you read it for us, and we'll jump in? Sure, sure. He says, um, chapter 5, verse 1, he says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Okay, and you broke down the uh, passage, and it's kind of all about responsibility. Very mm-hmm. easy to remember. Um, don't even have to look at my notes as if I could read them anyway. Um, <laughs> it's uh, one, uh, pastors have a responsibility to the church. Two, churches have a responsibility to pastors. Three, we all have a responsibility to each other. Right. So let's jump in there to your first sure. main section, which is that pastors yeah. have a responsibility to the church. Yeah, and this is the this is the the main the main part, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. you don't you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to do any fancy um, hermeneutics to see that 
four verses out of five has to do with the elders. Yeah, yeah. And there is yeah. really one main exhortation he's getting at, right, which is to shepherd right. shepherd the flock. Shepherd, shepherd the flock. There's there is one there's one command, one imperative: shepherd the flock. Uh, some manuscripts don't even have the exercising oversight in them. Um, you might see that in a, in a footnote in your Bible. Um, so the the main idea is shepherd the flock of God, mm-hmm. and then he he kind of tells you how to do that. Yeah. So you know, this is the, the easy way to remember this, and it's kind of what shepherds do to sheep. I mean, this is God's metaphor. Um, there's knowing, feeding, leading, and protecting. So kind of right. maybe take us through those. Yeah, um, and this, I don't even know where this originally came from. Um, I, I, I was uh, looking over uh, Sinclair Ferguson's um, book, the, the Shepherd Leader, and uh, kind of reminding myself about this stuff. But the, the pastor has these four responsibilities. The, the first is that he's supposed to know the flock. And uh, you, you see this even with Jesus, right? In John chapter 10, um, he uses this, this imagery of the shepherd and his sheep, and the shepherd knows his sheep, right? <laughs> he, he knows when one is missing. <laughs> uh, if one of them is, is sick, he, he knows the flock. The, the pastor, as the shepherd, should know his people. Um, I mean, this would be a... Um, a difficulty if you're in a mega church and you're the one guy, right? Yeah, yeah. You're you're not going to be able to know the the people very well. Mm-hmm. The, the, there there shouldn't be a pastor that is removed from the congregation. The the guy that I always I, I always get kind of frustrated when I watch um, some of these mega churches and their services. You've got the you got the stage. And it's you've got the band up there, and then when it's time for the sermon, the pastor comes out the back, right? He comes from behind the the stage. He walks on stage. He delivers his. I, we'll we'll just go ahead and call it a sermon. Um, and then when he's done, he exits. Oh, yeah. Like he goes, he goes back, he goes back behind the stage. Yeah. And usually because they have more than one service, they'll have, you know, multiple services. And so yeah. he, I don't know, do they have a green room back there? Is he <laughs> Back to the office. <laughs> you know, what, what's he, you know, what's he doing back there? But I mean, this is the guy that, um, you're going to have to schedule an appointment to, to see him. And he may or may not be able to fit you into a schedule. Right. If that, this, the pastor shouldn't be like that. That's not to say that churches can't be big. Um, but it is to say, again, not just one guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, multiple pastors, so that they can know the sheep, so that they know when something is happening in their life, like a big milestone, or or if something has gone wrong, or you know, if they're if they're they've stopped coming, like the pastor should know his sheep. Um, he also should feed the sheep, and uh, feed the sheep through the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Right, um, not through telling creative stories or you know what what someone else is saying. Like you know the sheep and you feed the sheep based on 
what the word of God says to them. And uh, I think going hand in hand with feeding the sheep is leading the sheep because you're leading the sheep through the word of God. And, and you know, at the end of John, when Jesus is restoring Peter, right? you know, he, do you love me? He asked him three times, you know, yeah. not a coincidence. And, <laughs> right. and what's he tell him to do? Yeah, feed the sheep. Right? If, you, if you love feed me, my sheep. then you'll feed my sheep. Yeah. Um, and he's not talking about like making dinner. <laughs> he's talking about, <laughs> right. You know, you're going to care for them by teaching them God's word. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a big, that's a good reminder for, uh, not just for all pastors, but for anybody that's listening that goes to a church. Mm-hmm. You know, does our church do a lot of, you know, movie things or, you know, whatever? So, like, right. like the summer, we're uh, the church at the movies. And mm-hmm. our pastor's telling us Bible stories from these movies. Right. There's all kinds of these things that, that are going on out there. Or, you know, you I mean, who knows? But magic shows during the church service. Um, all kinds of things, right, that um, yeah. are not... In, interpretive dance. Yeah. I mean, they're just a <laughs> wide variety. Are... are yeah. Is what the pastor does when he gets up there? Is 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 he more of a motivational speaker, um, which everybody loves to be motivated, right? Or is he someone who's actually teaching you the Bible? So one thing I've asked people is, um, when they go to a church, I'll say, "Okay, how long have you been in this church?" They'll say, "You know, over a year." And I'll ask, "Name me one book of the Bible that you know better than you did mm. a year ago." And yeah. if they can't answer one, well, then you know something is wrong, right? Has to be right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good thing. That that's a good that's a good question to ask people. It's a, um, hopefully our our church our church is understanding John and Peter better. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As we're feeding them. Hopefully. Um, yeah. Hopefully uh, so. I'll let you put that survey out there for them. <laughs> yeah. So that I mean that's the main the main job and it's like this it, here's a good little um comparison. You know, you don't know. Like the people might they might not even be able to tell you what the sermon was 2 or 3 days ago or a weeks right. ago. They probably can't. Yeah. They probably can't tell you. But they can't tell you what they ate either. And right. you need you need it you need like you need to eat. You don't remember what you ate, but it, it sustained you and it kept you alive. The same yeah. thing in the church. Uh, even if yeah, you can't remember uh, all the sermons, they still fed you and they kept you going and kept you alive. Right. It's not the it's not the one sermon. It's it's years of teaching. Right. Like we're not looking at um, like we don't we don't view this like a marathon, mm-hmm. like a sprint. Well, well, it's a sprint. It's 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 not a sprint. It's a marathon. Right. It's it's a long it's a long run. So it's not just this immediate thing. It's over the course of months and years, they're they're steadily growing in their understanding and knowledge. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not expecting someone to be able to tell me all the points of the sermons that I preached in the past. Right. But I'm hope I'm hoping that they have a better overall grasp of a particular book. Yeah, that's right. Right. Uh, and le- leading the sheep, it kind of goes along with the feeding of the sheep because the pastors they. I mean, they, they are the leaders, right? Um, they they kind of um, 
uh, mark out the path that the church needs to go, the direction that the church needs to go. But it always needs to be in line with the Word of God, mm-hmm. and it it always needs to be in line with um, this idea that uh, we want them to know God's Word better and apply God's Word to their own life so that they can be obedient and do the things that God wants them to do. Yeah, and so leading has to go along with the Word of God. If 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 you're not if the pastor is not feeding the word of God to the people, then the leading is going to be all askew. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where, what direction are you going? It has to line up with what the scriptures tell believers to do. Mm -hmm. We're we're discipling them so that they can lead godly lives and so that they can make disciples. And in, you know, our Sunday school block for, that makes me think of of that of our Sunday school yeah. block when you talk about right. leading because that's kind of where we say, okay, how are we like going to shape people in a practical in a practical way, uh, right. to preparing them to live in this world other than you know what they get in the Sunday sermon, and we had, right. we had a pretty good strategy going and you know this year kind of hijacked that, um, mm-hmm. but the classes were meant to make a well rounded uh, Christian so you're right. not getting all theology. You're going to get right. some theology, some church history, and maybe something practical like evangelism. Um, and so, you know, one day, Lord willing, we can unfetter to get back into those things. The podcast, too, is in that in that way, which on Friday we try to deal with things that would help to shape people's um, mind and how they view the world and how they see things through, through a Christian uh, perspective. Um, so... These are kind of some of the ways that we do that. Right. Uh, and then the last thing is protecting the sheep. And I've, um, I've, I've been trying to take that more seriously. I think, I think that's a place where a lot of pastors stumble is, is they don't, I don't know if it's because they don't want to offend people. They don't want to, they don't want to say something negative about someone's, you know, favorite teacher. But uh, this is one of the roles of the, of the uh, the pastor, he he can't just let the sheep wander into um, all kinds of error. He has to protect them from the wolves. Yeah, and uh, and so you got to name names sometimes. Yeah, right. I mean, well, you have to you have to call out false teachings when it when it raises its head. Yeah, I man. One of the harder things that uh, I've had to do was. Uh, break an old old lady's heart. She's like ninety years old at our former church in Kansas City, and it was Billy Graham's last crusade. Do you remember that when he did that? This uh, has been no, like, I don't think so. Well, this has been like I don't know, ten years ago or so. He had okay. it was his final crusade, and it was going to be like a uh, like a Skype thing, you know, where you pipe in okay. and he streamed across America. And, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. And so I just had to tell her, I had to say, you know, I know he probably meant a lot to you in his life when he was younger, did a lot of great things, but, and then I had to drop the bomb on her about how he didn't finish well, and he seemed to become a universalist at the end of his life. Right. Did you see that? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I saw that. And she, I mean, it just, it was heartbreaking for her, but we definitely (laughs) weren't going to pipe him in for him to tell everybody that everyone's going to heaven now. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I have no idea what he said in that, but I had seen enough before that to know that um, something happened in his old age. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're seeing this more and more, and um, it's 
it's hard because we're having to call out people that were, um, that were solid before. Um, so it's, it's a difficult task to do, but it's also necessary because, um, you, you don't want the, you, you wouldn't let the sheep drink poison water. Mm. Why, why are we, why would we let our people who have been entrusted to us wander away and in, into all kinds of, of strange errors and, um, you just got to be on your toes because there's new stuff. Seems like every week someone right. is saying something crazy, and you, you we can't we can't uh, you know what know what everyone is teaching all the time. But right. in this day and age, we at least need to be aware of of some of the things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Okay, well, um, so oversight. Talk right. to us about that. Is that more of a description on how? we do this pastoring? Yeah, I think it's because it's not, um, it's, a, I think it's a part of simple. It's not, uh, so it's a supporting, it's supporting that main command, mm-hmm. pastor the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. Okay. And, uh, so you, you pastor by exercising oversight and that should be obvious. Like you yeah. can't do, you can't, you can't do one and not do the other. Um, in, in order for you to pastor well, to do the things of, of um, you know, feeding the sheep and leading the sheep, you have to exercise oversight. You have to, you have to, again, know the flock, mm-hmm. yeah. who, who, who there is, uh, what they're going through, uh, how you can best do these things, how, how you best can lead them. Because, you know, the church is made up of a divi- diverse number of people, and they're not all they're not all in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So there's kind of the, some descriptors of what he means by the type of oversight or how we're to do it. Not, right. under, not under compulsion, but willingly not for shameful gain and not domineering. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what would it look like to serve under compulsion? You know, uh, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking especially about the context of fiery trials and suffering and, uh, you know, the, the reason why he spends four verses on the, the elders before he gets to everyone else, I think, is because the elders would have been the, the main target, um, you know, during, during times of persecution. Um, if you want to, if you want to really damage the church, you go after the, the pastors, right? Um, we saw this uh, with um, what was it the early early rain uh, church in um, in China, right? Yeah, uh, you know, but they went after the pastors. The pastors were the ones that were being monitored. They were the ones who were being arrested, and interrogated, um, just uh, swept away. <laughs> I, I don't know if they ever located everyone. Yeah, um, during that, uh, but that's. You know that that's that's understandable. If you're if you're going to take out a whole body, you go after the head first. Um, and so he he addresses the elders, knowing that they would be in the crosshairs of whatever um, persecution would come. So the first thing he tells them is, "Don't do this under compulsion. Um, don't do this dragging your feet." Um, dragging yourself out of bed <laughs> to, to do this, uh, do this willingly, huh. uh, d- joyfully. Um, this isn't, uh, 
when when Paul writes in uh, in First Timothy chapter three, he he says that the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. This isn't um, this isn't a job that can be done by twisting someone's arm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it it ought to be done willingly with um, an eagerness uh-huh. and a joy. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they need to be reminded of this, right? Yeah. The desire's got to be there. And also we could say, but we'd have to expand out from here into other passages too. But just, just a little side note, the desire itself isn't enough. You have to be right. recognized by a local body that, right. that you're, that God has called you to do this. And mm-hmm. they examine yeah. your life and they examine your uh, giftings and they, the church really makes the call. Yeah. I've run into a few people that seem to think that they can be called to ministry without having a church um, and without have, having a, a church to verify that call. Um, right. That's, that's, right. that's not biblical either. Well, it's funny, you know, um, not, not pastoring, but you, you know, that we had, uh, before the merge, we had some people at, at my church that talked about deacons as if once a deacon, always a deacon. Right. As if it was as if it was some kind of office that you held no matter what. And it transferred and, churches when you went. <laughs> right. Yeah. For real. Um and and I asked the question, you know, um, does that apply to pastoring? Like can you is it once a pastor, always a pastor? <laughs> if can you be a shepherd if you don't have a flock? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Uh you know, it, it doesn't it, it, that doesn't match what we see in the in yeah. the scriptures. Um, yeah, once it, a deacon, always a deacon. That's not. That's, and this, that's simply not. That's not the case. Like you have to be um, man, recognized yeah. by a, a particular local church. Yeah, there and there are a lot of these strange cultural things that happen. You see it sometimes when people get ordained at a church, and then they call right. up. They call up. Would any of the ordained men come up? And then you got all these people coming out of the woodworks. Like, who <laughs> right. who are you? Um, you were ordained one time in your thirties at another church and here we are 20 years later and you barely go to church, but you're coming up here as an ordained person and, right. uh, you got past pastors, air quotes that haven't pastored anywhere for 25 years. Um, it's just a bizarre thing. Like it, right. uh, ordination is not a magical thing. All it is, is a church recognizing you and calling you to serve right. in that capacity. So yeah. If something were to happen and you and I, uh, you or I, were to stop being a pastor, like you wouldn't still call yourself a pastor, right? Right. Would you, would you say, would you, well, another weird title is reverend. Sometimes people carry it. <laughs> you ever see that? Like, yeah. It's like a reverend that's like a uh, a congregational, uh, uh, or a a, a, a it's like a pastor without a congregation. They call themselves yeah. a reverend. Like, what right. is this nonsense? Where did, yeah. where did this it, stuff come from, know, George? Well, it's kind of a, I mean, it's, and people, I, I think that, that people in especially Baptist churches would be horrified um, to know that this, this kind of is a carryover from um, Catholicism. Now, once they ordain a priest, he's a priest forever. Yeah. Um, they even have these bizarre these bizarre understandings that a priest once ordained can always perform transubstantiation. Um, I've, I've read even that uh, some 
um, thought that even a priest who went to hell could perform transubstantiation in hell because he's a priest. Uh, this is bizarre stuff. Like yeah. this isn't this this doesn't have any kind of basis in scripture at all. It's yeah. it's uh, the traditions of man, and it borders on magic. Yeah. But there is a little bit of magic left over in the in the Protestant world. There is. Like you're saying, you know, once a deacon, always a deacon, and once a pastor, mm-hmm. always a pastor, this type of thing. Right. Uh, some odd stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. So the desire itself isn't enough. So we'll get back on right. track. Yeah. Not for shameful gain. This is a yeah. big this is a big one too. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um you don't do it just for what you get out of it, right? Um you don't do it just for a paycheck, but I think even more, um, you don't do it for prestige or, you know, a seat at the table or, or any of these, um, you know, influence. And I think that we're seeing a bunch of that, um, nowadays, this pandemic and, uh, all the political stuff this year has really brought out some of this in the mainstream evangelical, uh, movement, right? People that, there because the temptation if you're doing it for shameful gain you're doing it um it's the temptation is going to be that you change the message to fit with what people want to hear so that you'll you'll maintain whether it's it's a paycheck or influence or right you know uh conference speaking stuff like that right Uh, a pastor shouldn't be in it for any of this Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, my uh, my my wife and I were talking about this um, after the after the service, and she said that um, this is you see this in pastors that jump from church to church, and we've talked about this, you and I. Um, you, you usually don't see these guys jumping from a big church to a small church. Like never, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's always uh, God called me, and when you throw that yeah. language out there, who's who is That's there right. that can say anything against it? Right? Yeah. God called <laughs> right. me to this other church. It just so happens yeah. to have uh, a bigger paycheck. <laughs> yeah, like every time, more or people, is, more, know, more influence. This, yeah, this is the this is the influential church. Uh, this is where you go if you want to climb the denominational ladder yeah. is where the movers and shakers are right. all that stuff. I think, I think would be tied into this. Don't do it for shameful gain. Um, do it eagerly. And this, I'll um, just be honest with a lament for me. Um, it's made me very cynical over the past, f- mainly over the past five years since moving down here to Oklahoma from Kansas city, um, being away from a bigger city where there's a seminary and, uh, it's just very different down here, and it, it seems to be a lot of this in the culture here is that you play ball, right? You play mm, ball yeah. in the denomination, in your associations, uh, make the right con- make connections, uh, be a team right. pl- be a team player, and if you're a team player, you know you'll move up in church. Yeah. You'll you'll start at a small smaller church, but you know the the connections you make will get you in at that next mid level church, and then after you're there for, you know. You know, five or ten years, they'll move. You'll move up again, and next thing you know, you'll be an influential person. Right? And it's it's enough yeah. of a it's enough of a pattern to cause me some serious uh, yeah and heartache. If, some right. serious and, heartache. And if you don't play ball, you can be black. You can be blacklisted. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, um, 
the it's it's this uh, the saying in the Southern Baptist Convention at least is that you don't break the eleventh commandment. Yeah, and the eleventh commandment is you don't you don't speak out against anyone in leadership in the convention in the denomination. And if right. you do, um, they'll they'll blacklist you. Yeah. Like this this is what happened to James White. Mm-hmm. He used to be Southern Baptist. He used to to teach in a Southern Baptist um, seminary. He spoke out against another professor. Um, I think rightly, and he got he got blacklisted. Um, he he couldn't. He, there was no place for him in the denomination anymore. Right. Yeah. And this happens. Yeah. This happens. Um, you, there are certain people that will never be the president of the convention. Mm-hmm. It just isn't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and then that that kind of stuff. Um, even though it's it's typical, it certainly shouldn't be that way. And that falls right into this category for for shameful gain. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, it does. Yeah, um, and you got to be at a certain church to to move up because you know um, you don't see small church pastor becoming the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Right. Like you got to be you got to be at a certain level <laughs> before you'll ever even be considered. Yeah, or even be considered for. Um, any committees or anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to play ball. I only yeah. play ball with one thing. That's baseball. Yeah. So that's, don't worry. Uh, don't worry, Jay. No, no one's going to be, no one's going to be calling you to, <laughs> to move up in the convention. I don't think, yeah. <laughs> All I'm I got to do is listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing probably not. Yeah. We've broken the, we've broken the 11th commandment quite a bit just in this podcast. That's um, not even counting the times that we drop names during sermons or, or other teaching times. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but again, that's, that's what Peter is warning them about. And this would, you know, in a time of persecution, um, change the message just a little bit so that you're not thrown in jail or they don't confiscate your property or, you know, you don't want to lose people. You want to gain, you want to gain more people so that you can have this. Uh, this would have been one of the, um, you know, one of the things that Paul would have been addressing with the Corinthians. Yeah. You know, they thought that they were wise and influential, and they're doing it because they want to be viewed as wise and influential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not domineering. This one yeah. is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah. It's not your church, right? Yeah. It's Christ's church. Yeah. And um, Christ gave us the example of how we're supposed to lead. He even uh, took the disciples aside and told them, you know, the way that the the way the Gentiles rule is by um, putting people under their thumb. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that's not the way that that the uh, the leaders in the church should function. They should function as servants, uh-huh. following the example of Christ, who was the servant of us. He laid down his life for us, and uh, that's that's the kind of servant leadership that pastors ought to ought to be uh, demonstrating mm-hmm. as an example. I, uh, again, I think as an example, uh, in a time of persecution, like the pastor should be the one who is an example of how to suffer well. Yeah. Um, not asking the, the flock to do something that he's not willing to do himself. Yeah, yeah. All right. And so all of this is to be done to receive in, in, with, with the reward in sight, right? Which right. is this unfading crown of glory. Mm-hmm. The yeah. reward that we have, yeah, yeah. Christ, Christ promises a reward for faithful servants. Yeah, 
And that's, um, that's fuel for us to, to serve well, like knowing that this is, this is waiting. Yeah. And if, if that's what's before your eyes at all times, right? I have to, I'm, I'm, my role is to serve underneath the chief shepherd. I'm a shepherd to mm-hmm. serve his people and I'm not right. to do it for shameful gain, um, not under compulsion. Like what's before my eyes isn't the next best church coming, a place for me to move up, to make more of a name for myself, to become yeah. more influential, influential, more powerful, have a bigger ministry. Uh, if all of those things are before your mind, like you've taken your eye off the target, which is to work only for the reward that comes from Christ. Right, right. Yeah, I I, uh, I love this Calvin quote that I, I gave in the sermon. Uh, Less than the faithful servant of Christ should be broken down. There is for him one and only one remedy, to turn his eyes to the coming of Christ. Yeah. I mean, that's, that should be the the thing that motivates us, not not shameful gain, not not gaining some kind of um, seat at the table uh, or, you know, feeling feeling like you are, um, you know, in authority and everyone has to do what you say. Like it's the coming of Christ. It's the glory that that Christ will bring for faithful servants. Yeah. Good. Well, we've we spent a lot of our time there, so the next two points we won't we won't spend a ton of time on, but we do need to talk about them. The second point that you had, well, the first one was the pastor's responsibility to the church, and now the order switched. It's the church's responsibility to the pastors. Yeah. So take us through that. Yeah, the the younger, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, and that word likewise it ties it into. Um, the the first four verses. So um, the, that word elder, even though it's it's um, set against younger, probably should still be thought of as the, the pastors. And I, I think he singles out the younger people in the church because uh, younger people are the ones that often try to um, you know butt against authority. They're the ones that try to um, throw off the authority of, of those who are put over them. And so he singles them out as those who are younger ought to be subject to the, the pastors of the church to yeah. recognize their authority. Right. Um, but if this is the case for the younger people, that it, even though he singles out younger people, it doesn't exclude everyone yeah. in the church. Like the church is called to be submissive to the elders. Um, and it's because God is, has, ordained this like we've seen that he's ordained um, the government we're supposed to submit to the government we're supposed to submit to those who are um, in authority over us in our our work in family the, the the husband is the head of the wife she's supposed to submit to the the husband and now here we've got the authority in the church is the elders and the congregation the flock is called to submit to the authority of the elders. Yeah, pretty clear. And let me ask you this. Is there ever a time where this wouldn't apply? Like, when should the congregation not submit to the elders? Um, you know, if they're, uh, if they're teaching something that is contrary to the Scripture, obviously. Um, this, this is not a call to listen to a false teacher. Um, that would be a time when you... you um, 
hold that that pastor accountable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's violated the scriptures. Yeah, the congregation um, would have a responsibility at that point to not be submissive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if a pastor is is being domineering, like you don't have to. I think that there can be overreach. Um, you know, we're we have authority over the congregation in spiritual um, issues, uh, but that doesn't extend to um, you have to tell me when you're going on vacation. Yeah, I've right. heard some crazy stories, man. Of, oh, yeah. of, of pastors oh, like like uh, discipline. There's disciplining people because they went to a college. Their kids went to a college that the pastor didn't approve of and stuff. I'm like, yeah. What right. kind of weird culty stuff is this? Right. <laughs> now there's there is something to be said for um, asking, seeking the the advice of a pastor. You know, if you're if you're trying to make a decision um, about a job or or where to go to college, you certainly can seek the advice of your pastor. Um, but he doesn't, unless it's clearly a sinful, right. um, a sinful decision. Right. Um, he doesn't have the authority to to force you to do one thing or the other, and church discipline wouldn't apply. Um, you know, in a situation like that. Yeah. Uh, so you don't have to, you don't have to submit to the authority of the elders um, if it's outside the realm of their place of authority. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'd even, I'd uh, even it, go. It's just, it's just like, it's just like submitting to the government. Yeah. Um, that, that, that has a limit. Yeah, it doesn't, a... it doesn't extend to spiritual matters. The government can't, you know, we, we've had this issue with govern, governing officials telling the church when they can and cannot meet and how they can and cannot meet. And they can only have this many people and they have to do these things or they can't meet. And that's outside the realm of the authority of the governing of officials. You don't have to submit to them in those in those matters. Same thing with um, the elders, that their authority doesn't reach to every single area of your life. Um, and so you don't have to submit to them in everything. Right. Yeah. Good. Okay. So then this last point was we have a responsibility to each other. So the pastors right. have responsibility to the congregation, congregation to the pastor, but then we all have a responsibility in this together to right. each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, going back to that, that second point and probably go, you know, it bleeds into the third point of, of the responsibility we have for each other. This is, um, I think that the temptation is not to submit to your elder too much. I think it's to submit to the pastor little to none. And I think we see that right, yeah. in, the way, in the way that churches treat pastors like they're the hired hand. Mm-hmm. Like, we pay you, you do what we say. Yeah. Um, I, at, at one of my previous churches, I was um, nominated to serve on the personnel committee. And I only went to one meeting because at that at that one meeting, uh, they were discussing handing out um, evaluation forms to the staff, including the pastor. And based upon that, those evaluations, we would determine if they got a raise or not. And I was just horrified <laughs> at the way that they were they were approaching um, the pastor. Um, the pastoral position as if it was 
um, just this hired position and you have to set these goals and you have to present these goals to this committee and they'll evaluate it. And at the end of the year, um, we'll see if you met those goals. Like that's, that's, that is yeah. completely, that's completely unbiblical. And you got, I you like, got somebody no in there, somebody in there from a human resources management background. Right. They're on your personal like, committee. No, yeah. no, thanks. I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to be on this committee. In fact, when I came to, um, Northwest, um, several, you know, um, five years ago, one of the first things I did was dissolve the personnel committee, mm-hmm. <laughs> not because I was trying to pull a fast one and, and take over. It's because I, I saw that as an unbiblical thing for a church to have. Well, you know, in many places, the, the personnel committee acts as oversight over the pastor. Right. That's right. So you have the overseers, right? That's the pastors, but now they're right. being overseen by a personnel committee. Right. Like, this is the most American uh, nonsense ever. <laughs> you know what? That's right, yeah. And they could even fire the pastor, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, this, this is not this is not the way that the church is supposed and, to run. And, 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 in, and in such a bizarre twist, many of the people on the personnel committee that are providing oversight over the pastors um, are also females. That's right. Which the Bible right. the Bible says that uh, that females do not provide oversight in the church. Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so this bleeds into this this last point. We have a responsibility to each other, and that that responsibility is we're supposed to clothe ourselves with humility. Um, this this if we would obey this, this would go a long ways towards um, stopping all of this other nonsense. Like you wouldn't have a domineering elder if he was clothed with humility mm-hmm. and recognized his own weaknesses and his, his own sin and that he's, he's only able to function as a pastor because of the, the Holy Spirit enabling him and because of God's manifold grace to him. Um, churches would not be rising up against their pastor and trying to fire him if they would clothe themselves with humility. Um, there wouldn't be church splits. There wouldn't be all of these the infighting, if we would just clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. Yeah, that's right. Very good. Some things don't need a Maybe. lot of explanation. Yeah. I mean, have you ever been in a church where they're fighting all the time? Uh, no, I haven't. Man, I, I, uh, you are <laughs> you are blessed because I've been yeah. in two churches. I've been in two churches where there's been fighting, not just between not just between the the uh, a, a faction in the church and the pastor, but between people in the church, yeah, um, people um, taking offense at what someone said or did or not agreeing with someone and gossip and secret meetings and these, um, these plots to try to get rid of the pastor. And, and it's terrible. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, it causes you to have this paranoia whenever you, you walk into the church. Um, yeah. I, I still feel some of that. Um, even here at this, at this great church, I still feel like, um, this, um, healthy skepticism. <laughs> uh, like I have to look over my shoulder. Like when is someone going to come after me because of two previous churches? And it, it does, um, you know, it really hurts people. 
mm. when they have when they have to go through the um, church splits and yeah. the, the attempted coups, and it it hurts people. It's it, it's uh, not something that's easy to get over. And I'm I'm just thankful that I'm at a church now that we don't we don't really have this this kind of stuff. Right. Um, our our church I think does a good job of clothing themselves in humility and and seeking to serve one another, and it's it's refreshing. Yeah, it's very refreshing. And I wish I could say that our church was the norm, but I have a feeling that our church is unusual. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right there. So, well, George, but God's good. been gracious. He's been gracious to us. Yes, yes, indeed. Very good. You've got two more to go. We look forward to those. Two more. And yep. um, thanks for tuning in. We've got Free for All Friday coming up later on this week. So I uh, hope you'll come back for that. And it was a joy to uh, to be with you today. Hopefully, you will go back and listen to the sermon. You can find that on our website or on YouTube. Christ Fellowship Church, listen to the whole sermon, get a little bit more uh, understanding of what's going on. So if this has been beneficial, please like, subscribe, or share. And as always, it's our hope and desire that this helps you to become more and more conformed to Christ.